Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Damn these. It happens every night. Every night. And I ain't never met a riverboat dealer that could ever be a friend of mine. Nope. Some I have not. Treats me kind and leaves trouble on my mind. So I'm bidding farewell, putting in my nose. And I'll see you at another time. This highway does not know my name, and I don't care. Nope. Not even really like kind of care, you know. Heading my way for another place, and I got three good tires and a spade. Right to the hook, right Just a white line. Tips to getting out of Mississippi with just enough gas to get Oh! Budgets. Live, not. So live from the Low Budget Live Bar and Grill here in beautiful southern middle Tennessee. And I hope all you low lifers are doing well out there. This is the podcast for Monday, September the 11th, 2023. And it's, uh, man, I, I was getting ready for the show today. And and honestly, I didn't even realize what the date was. And uh, I actually thought it was the 10th uh, for the show. And... Uh, yeah, it's weird. It's it's anytime you say that date, I think if you don't uh if you don't kind of get taken back a little bit, uh then then you're probably too young to remember, to be honest, and uh to w- what happened and and uh so so I I think that it's always good to to talk about it and and to bring it up and and I think that's a day that obviously uh none of us will ever forget if if you were old enough to remember that day and um man I, I last year i got to go to the twin towers memorial there freedom towers i think they call it now 
in New York City, and I don't, and I think I talked about it on the show, but I don't think I've ever been. I know I've never been moved really by anything like that in my life, and uh, so emotional. It's just being there and like putting your hands on on their fountains now, uh, with all the names of the of the of the the ones that that uh, have fallen and. It was a lot, man. It was it's heavy. Uh if you ever get a chance to go to New York City, I would say go see that. Um such a such a crazy, crazy, terrible tragedy in our country's history. But uh gotta remember it. And dude, I was in college. Uh the world changed forever though, man. That is uh that is all you can say about that. So still, of course, uh everything I got goes towards the family's uh, you know, thoughts, prayers. Um that that steel that that date will always haunt them for sure so not to open on a on a somber note but man that was just such a such a blow to our country and such a change like you think about airline travel alone and how much we all just now kind of get on uh if you're into twitter or whatever social media platform that you like to bitch on and and talk about oh these security lines and this that and the other it all started that day. Like all the man, all the take your shoes off, all the <laughs> I mean, uh and, and I and I joke because that's very insignificant to what actually happened, obviously. But uh holy crap. That day and man, I, I'll never I'll I'll kinda end this this little intro on this. Is uh that day I'll never forget I was at college, University of North Alabama, and uh and had just got home from class and my neighbor who we thought was really hot. Let's just, let's just throw that out there. Three, me and three of my buddies living in an apartment next to this, this lady that's a pharmaceutical rep. She's probably in her mid thirties. We loved her. Okay. I'll just throw that part out there. It's very important. So she's like sitting on the front porch, smoking a cigarette, which made her look even cooler. Let's be honest. But anyways, uh, she's sitting there she's like rocking back and forth when I come up the steps and, uh, and I'm like, Hey, how are you? And, and she's just like, ah. she's like looking just, you know, deadpan away. And she was always very, very sweet to us and, and, uh, and cut up back and forth. And I'm like, hey, are you like, are you okay? Is everything okay? Cause I thought, man, somebody, you know, passed away in her life. And she goes, have you, have you not seen the news or heard? And I had, had been coming home from class and like the first plane had hit. And, uh, and she's like, you, you we're under attack. And I'm like, what? She's like, we're under attack. And she is, man, she's rocking, smoking a cigarette. And I go in and my, and my roommates are like, just staring at the TV. And about the time I walk in, the second plane hits. Um, and I'm like, what in the hell is going on? And they didn't cancel classes that day. And I had a, I had a history class that afternoon. I'll never forget this. And the teachers, a small group of kids and, some didn't come, you know, elected not to come. And, and we get in there and we'd been in there about five, 10 minutes. And we're talking about, you know, she's trying to make a point of, you know, globally the implications and what could happen and going to war and who could be responsible and blah, blah, blah. You know, we're talking, you know, talking it out. And, uh, as you tend to do, and all of a sudden over the campus at the university of North Alabama, this plane flew over. And it was like a, a just small, like twin engine, something, but it's, you hear it. And dude, she just immediately, once we all kind of started noticing, she just went dead silent. 
and we just sat there and it passed by and she's like class dismissed. And I'll never forget that as long as I live, just because it was so powerful in that moment that just that noise, like everything changed that day about planes and just what you thought of the world and, and how safe it was. But, uh, crazy. So low budget live for September 11th. Um, and man, what a day, what a day that we will, uh, even over 20 years later, we will never, ever, 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 ever forget. That is for sure. Uh, want to thank the sponsors real fast of this fine program that all you low lifers tune in week in and week out for Startron kicking ethanol in the teeth. It's that time of year where you're going to be putting the boat up a little bit. Maybe you live in a part of the world where the water gets hard, the water. The water gets a little hard in your part of the world. Put you some Startron in the tank before you store that boat to make sure when you go to crank it up the next time that ethanol, stupid dumb ethanol, has not gummed up the works and ruined it. A little dabble do you. Startron kicking ethanol in the teeth. Pro Guide Batteries. ProGuideBatteries.com. You can use code LBL10 there to save you some coin on some of the best lithium batteries in the game and the best AGM batteries in the game. I dare say they've been making, making those for many, many moons. Now they are trusted by multiple OEM bass boat manufacturers. And that is a seal of approval. That is very hard to get. Ask me how I know I do that on a daily basis in the old day job. It's very hard to get in at the OEM level and pro guys done a fantastic job of that over the years. They've been in the game for a long time. They're not a fly by night company that is for sure you can check out their full line of batteries at proguidebatteries.com use code lbl10 to let them know you are a low lifer baitworks.com bait-works.com that is bait-wrx.com and d-u-n-k-i-n-10 duncan-10 for the win it's going to save you money there on all your tackle needs you can even get the lob jig the power finesse jig there this little cricket right here caught me some on the OLOB this past Friday doing a little up the creeks in the old express, flipping that little jig on some wood and caught me a bunch on the LOB jig. The only jig's got the LBL logo podcast logo right there on the packaging, but exclusively at baitworks.com. But we're headed into topwater time, glide baiting season, man, lots of things available there at Baitworks for the fall fishing season bait-works.com and last but not least hang the imaginary banner express boats hot springs arkansas the bassmaster classic winning first ever bassmaster classic one out of an aluminum bass boat all welded 21 feet of fury got that yamaha show on the back they run all yamahas out there at express no matter the model but the 250 show pushes the x21 out of the hole at an insane speed. More tackle storage than you can shake a stick at. Sea deck, bow to stern. It's an option. You don't have to get sea deck, but I would suggest it. Love that sea deck. I had a, a buddy of mine call me this week and was like, all right, man, off the record, do you really like that stuff or would you get carpet? He's looking at getting him an, uh, an express. And I said, I would never have carpet again. I hate carpet. I don't have carpet in my house. I don't want, no, no. Sea deck's the way to go. So Express Boats, it's a family out there. You can check them all out at expressboats.com. Building excitement since 19, 
66. All right. Hope everybody's doing well out there in the uh, low lifer land. Maybe I should start a theme park, low lifer land. Just thought of that. That'd be fun, right? Low lifer land. I don't know what we do. Just sit around with have like the mom's basement corner. <laughs> the mom's basement coaster, not corner. Mom's basement coaster. I uh, hope you're all doing well out there, and I hope that you didn't get too triggered by the Bassmaster schedule uh, announcement this week. You know, I, I saw, I made a, I made a, a stupid Instagram reel uh, with my guy Tim Robinson from uh, "Think You Should Leave" that everybody's used. That you sure about that? You sure about that? When I said uh, all Bassmaster pros, they all made the same post on uh, a majority made the post. Of, what do you think about the schedule, guys? And dude, people just get rowdy about schedules. And I've said this for years and years and years and and not to just go into into too much of a thing about it, but um there's so much that goes into and and look, I was one of those people and I still am to a certain extent. Like I dude, do I wish that Champlain and St. Lawrence weren't the only places that they really go up north besides St. Clair? Absolutely. There are a lot of great northern fisheries if you gotta go up there. Uh but I thought Bassmaster's schedule was kick ass. I love those early Texas events, the later in the year uh, Florida events. I, I think it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be it's going to be a good year. I think the BPT schedules kick ass. I've already said that, but these folks are look the same places, man, and they're like it's all about the money. Yeah, these towns do pay them to come, and it is about the money because uh, drum roll. I don't have a real good drum roll, but I've got this. I got that. Uh, it's a business. It's a business and it'll always be a business. And if a town pays them to come there, they're going to go there versus whatever lake and town you think they should go to that probably doesn't even know Bassmaster exists, right? That's just how it works. So we, I know I, everybody would like to see them at OHIV and I don't know, dream up whatever crazy schedule you can uh, think of, but it's just not reality. And there's, but there are so many more factors that go into this. And I, and like I said, I used to not understand it until working with MPFL, but boy, do I feel like I've got a really good grasp on how this goes. And, and, and dude, it's a nightmare. Scheduling is a nightmare for the leagues. And I would actually love to get somebody on here to talk about how hard scheduling is, whether it's somebody from MPFL or, you know, a uh, old buddy Hank Weldon or, or uh, somebody from the MLFLW side, but just to talk about, how how much goes into it? Uh, because it's it's way more than just tourism, and it's way more than oh my gosh they hurt your feelings because they're not coming out west, or they hurt your feelings because they go up north too much, uh, myself included, or they hurt your feelings because of this that or the other. Uh, and look, West Coast anglers, because that's going to be the comments always from West Coast guys is they don't come out here, they don't, they don't, and that does suck. Because the lakes are fantastic, some really interesting fisheries out there. But I think that again, it's a business. And when ninety-eight percent, ninety-eight percent of touring pros are from Texas East for the most part, it just doesn't make financial sense for them to go, hey, entire league, we're gonna go out here and when gas is super high. And will they come back eventually? Absolutely, I think they'll come back out west. They love going out west and doing those swings. But I think right now, with gas where it's at, where gas is out on the west coast, uh, with some of the the you know, I just think, I think those cities don't really 
throw money at it, the cities out west, like ours do. And I think when you're trying to 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 book these schedules, you do tend to you're going to work with the cities that are going to work with you, and not just financially, but you're going to the the ones that are easier to work with. That's what you're going to tend to do. You can you can my, my mic is uh, really cutting out there. Um, it's got a short in it. Uh, but I think that, that those Western towns, it's just not as easy for them to do that. And then you got to think about this though, ultimately the customers and we can all bitch and moan. If you're a West coast guy and you're pissed, they're not coming out West. You can, you can type to your fingers bleed about how they need to come back out there and how upset you are. But ultimately the customer base is the guys paying, uh, the entry fees. That's the customer base. And they can't afford to piss off 100 guys and go, guess what? We're going to go have four tournaments out west. Now, I dare say if it wasn't for the cost of it in the three-day drive to just go out there for a couple weeks, all the pros are up for going to different places. They really are, like the ones I know. But I also think that most of them are totally okay with the Bassmaster schedule that they have to fish next year, for sure. I'm sure there's some gripes and complaints here and there. But, um, but it, man, people just – y'all love to get rowdy. You love to get negative on the uh, on the old schedule drops. And I just, I don't know. There's a lot that goes into it, man. And look, again, West Coast guys not picking on you. Certainly not trying to single you out at all because when they went to have us, dude, epic tournaments. Clear Lake, the Delta, all that stuff. And there's so many others out there that are incredible that I would love to see. Uh, what's the lake? I've, I'm, it's slipping my mind that they had the one bass, the U.S. Open last year. Oh my God! Like, get out there. It's 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 a you presents a unique challenge for sure, especially for East Coast guys, just like the West Coast guys. And and look again, they pack their crap up and come come east to compete. And uh, and and look, I I don't think that's necessarily fair, but. They're in the minority, and I think as long as it's that way, uh, you'll obviously have most of your tournaments based in the southeast, you know, Midwest. But but there, look, I saw people complaining from Missouri and Arkansas. Look, I get it. There's a lot of lot of fisheries that got that get left off, but there's only so many dates. And again, there's so much that goes into it. But overall, Bassmaster schedule I think is really cool. Toledo Bend will be dumb. The only thing that bums me out there is that BPT is going just a couple of weeks before. I wish that they weren't both going to the same fishery within a couple of weeks of each other, but uh, those are both going to be killer events. So I feel like weather permitting and uh, guys got a lot to look forward to for sure. All right. We're going to talk to uh, an interesting cat today. This is a, this is a fellow that I've known for quite a while now I competed against him on the FLW tour. He uh, is a fantastic young angler. He got his first win last year on the Elite Series at Oahe, one of those odd venues there that uh, not a typical Bassmaster venue out in the Dakotas. And he has, I was adding this up this morning, 700, to to my math, it's a little over $760,000 in combined career earnings from Bass and FLW in a very young career. He has one win Three classics, multiple Forest Wood Cups. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get the sauce from him right now, all the way from Minnesota, getting ready to watch his Vikings play. Austin Felix. RNS Promise from the North Country. Here he is, Austin Felix. He Listen, we had a very specific time that we could get this in because of your Vikings, and I respect that. So thanks for coming on, buddy. 
Yeah, it's first game of the season. I mean, first Vikings game. Yeah. Hope Springs, you know. No, no. Hey, that's it. It's like it's every year, no matter whether it's college or or pro, you just like this is it. This is our year. Everybody goes in. And I think at the pro level, it's a little more evenly matched, right? Like you do sincerely feel like you got a shot going in the first game more so than college sometimes, I think. Oh, I think yeah. that's fair to say. Um, yeah. I watched the Gophers last night. We're two and zero, surprisingly. But. Let's go. <laughs> We're ready. Now, are, now are you guys? Because I travel a lot, Wisconsin, Minnesota over the years, and it seems like it's more pro football oriented though. Once you get so far north, right? Because we're obviously idiots over our SEC football in the south, but college football doesn't seem to to stand out as much up there. Uh, it definitely doesn't compared to the Vikings. It, the whole state comes together. Plus, a lot of people from North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, that kind of deal. We kind of steal a lot of those fans too, just because we're the closest guys around. And uh, yeah, and the fact that our colleges haven't been real great for the last like two, three decades. That's that's fair to say. It's the okay. funniest thing was I think two or three years ago when we actually had that really good team. I think we went like eleven and one, and yeah, and uh, actually got game day. And the funniest thing was one of the kids with the signs on the back of the game day said, "Don't know what to write here. Never been this good." <laughs> <laughs> I remember them having game day there now. That yeah. They remember that. That's amazing, dude. That's uh you're a golden gopher and that yeah. and and so two and oh, that's good though. I, I think that uh I go to Wisconsin a ton for MPFL and dude, I get so caught up in like that Packer because the Titans are my team, they're an hour up the road, whatever, but I get so caught up in that dude, the the way those Packer fans are, oh my god. If I lived there, I would be Chef painted at Lambeau, dude, every Sunday. Like they are all in, and the Titans are an hour and a half up the road. And I go, like, maybe one time a year, maybe, you know, yeah. used to be a lot more. But uh, back in like the Steve McNair days, like when they first got to Nashville in the Steve McNair, Eddie George days, when Peyton Manning played for the Colts, I went to a lot of those games, you know, division rivalry games and stuff. But in the last few years, I don't go to near as many. Yeah, I try to get to maybe one a year. I went to the playoff game last year. Obviously, that was a disappointment, but got to go when you get the opportunity. So, I, I you you are uh, you seem like you should be a Kirk Cousins fan. Like, are you guys all on the Kirk Cousins bandwagon up there? I I am honestly just because we had so many years of just terrible quarterback play. I know how much worse it can get. And everybody's like, oh, we need a rookie. I'm like, we went through like three or four rookies that were just pitiful. Yes. And like, at least with Cousins, you feel like you have an opportunity. And if you like blindfold yourself and look at the stats or whatever, he actually, he does a good job. And that new quarter, that new quarterback show that's on Netflix or whatever. Actually, I, yeah. I feel like it endeared a lot of people to Kirk Cousins. Dude. Like he's kind of a dork, but yes. he does this thing. That's what I was getting at. I'm like, he, I, I, he was not on my radar at all. Then I watched that show and I'm like, I'm a damn Kirk Cousins, <laughs> like this guy, because he is what you find out though. Watching that and then and then you start reading some other interviews with other like big time quarterbacks in the NFL. He's their pick. He's their guy. They think he's one of the most talented QBs in the league. So 
Um, well, we had to get some football talk in before we get into all this fishing, but well, go Vikings then. I can say that. They're NFC. I can say that. And B-Rob, B-Rob's my guy. He used to play there. I was a Vikings fan for a minute. I always pulled for them when B-Rob was up there because you got to pull for a fellow bass fisherman. Yeah. How cool was it for you, for you back in those days when he was doing his tournaments? Because I know you got to go to a couple like I did. How special was that for you as a Vikings fan your whole life to look around that room and go, uh what just uh, yeah it was it was real fun just with all the there was players i got to meet like harrison smith when he was like in his prime and one of the best safeties in the league and and just like a bunch of those guys that you you realize really quickly that i think a lot of fans in the bass game probably do the same thing but you realize most of these guys are just like cool dudes and they're, yes. they're not anything like to be put on a pedestal they're just like yes awesome, they're not awesome super, guys and they're not they're not superheroes they're not yeah. superhuman like they work really hard at what they do and yeah sometimes and you're right as fans of whatever it is whether it's music fishing sports like we get on those keyboards and we get to rolling and it's just like it's just a dude and he's got kids yeah. and he's just doing his job the, the best he can and some weeks he doesn't do it as good as we'd like for him to you know and so they get beat up a little bit but dude i got to take uh the last one of those i got to go to linball joseph mm-hmm. who was just a dog <laughs> but i took linball on the mississippi river and dude his uh, in my old ranger his legs honest to god almost came above up above the gunnel with him sitting in the passenger seat, dude. Like he is a, not a, not a small man at all. And I had one of those like range, like the inflatables and mm-hmm. Big Rob comes down, handing out these huge, like four X big ass life jackets. And he's like, Hey, I got these for all the guys. Okay. Y'all distribute them out. And, uh, I'm wearing mine and I hand Linval his, and I've got my little inflatable <laughs> on with my kill switch hooked up, ready for blast off. And he goes, I want that one. <laughs> I said, Wait, what? And he goes, I want, I want that. I want what you're wearing. And I was said, dude, I don't, I don't think it's big enough for you. And he goes, what are you saying? I'm like, that you're a monstrous human being. Like, I don't know what the capacity is. And I swear, dude, right now, and I need to post this on social at some point, but he wore it all day. I gave it to, cause I wasn't going to argue with him. And I've got pictures of him holding up small mouth with this and it looks like a necklace and it's a, <laughs> and it's my inflatable like whatever brand it was ranger life jacket <laughs> it probably would have choked him out if it gone yeah. off yeah like, <laughs> How is this gonna happen? and i keep thinking to myself i'm like dude if he goes in a i'm never getting him back in here first of all he's just drifting in the mississippi river current forever and uh what an intense intense day on the water with that dude though he was like so much fun like he still messaged me on social mm-hmm. this day like great dude like follows my stuff he's he's with la now right or no philly, I think he's, philly. he's bounced around a little bit since the vikings mm-hmm. he was like pro bowl that year with the vikings anyway such a but it was so intense and was like we gonna win and would just stare at you and i'm like i don't know i've never been. and he's like well we better catch some damn fish and i'm like oh yes sir and he did but, uh, he caught like a four pound smallmouth that day, almost four pound smallmouth and a four pound largemouth. He was like in heaven, man. Uh, oh, yeah. But loves to fish. But those events, uh, I thought about that this morning when I was kind of getting ready for this. I was like, dude, I bet those events for you, especially because I, I'm a such a just a pro sports fan 
it was just cool being there, but not having the ties to the Vikings necessarily. It, it was, I just wasn't losing my mind. Like I bet a true Viking super fan was just like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I, I still got that. Uh, the thermos that we all got. It's still yeah. like the one I drink my coffee out of every dang cool. morning. It's yeah. all peeled off and everything. And every once in a while it's Robinson will see it on like a story for the morning. Yeah. And he's still like, I gotta get you a new one of those. <laughs> yeah. I text Brian last night, uh, hook them once they, uh, they beat Alabama. I know he's, he's such a Texas nut as well. So I was texting with him last night about that, but, uh, well, dude, I look, I can't, uh, again, I can't thank you enough because, and we were talking before I hit record. I mean, how do you describe your year <laughs> and the way it really ended? I mean, for folks that don't know, and if you don't know, shame on you, but but Austin was involved in a terrible accident uh, that totaled his Phoenix in downtown Chicago, headed to an event by City Bus, correct? Yeah, it's one of those old school flat city buses on the front oh. side. It was half full of Amish people. Um, it was just, it was it was a weird deal. <laughs> what did can it did you confirm that they were trying to take out your forward facing sonar or how? <laughs> how? No, was it a I terrorist guess. attack? What's what's going on? I don't know what the deal was. It was yeah, it was a rough situation. Like going into the second half of the season was just like, you just got to stay close in points. Like that's kind of been my MO every year. It's like, if we can stay close before the Northern swing, I should be fine if I just do my job. And so that was the start of the Northern swing on the way to St. Clair. Fortunately, instead of leaving the day before I left two days early. So yeah, just like right in Chicago came to a stop in traffic. And I don't know if, bus driver was not paying attention or whatever but i looked in my rearview mirror and he was coming hot so i let off the brake because we were all at a dead stop and tried to get around the shoulder like to give him more room to stop and i got almost around the car in front of me when he hit me and so i crunched the car the corner of the car in front of me too but knocked the motor off pushed the boat up into the tailgate and stuff I really think, fortunately, that I was moving forward, so that took away a lot of the momentum, or that boat very likely could have been in the cab. Oh, my gosh. So you did actually get to move then at least yeah. a little bit to kind of stop some of the forward momentum. He, but he never – I mean, he never really hit the brakes much, it doesn't sound like. he. I mean, oh, he did, but it had rained earlier that day, and he was squealing all the way into it. Unbelievable, man. So – Walk walk us through what happens after that because I I heard that the folks at Phoenix, which are fantastic individuals, but they they got you back in a boat. You had to re rig fast and get ready to turn around for the Northern Swing. I mean, how did all that go? Because I know what a daunting task rigging a boat is just in the off season, and it really sucks, even with somebody like Trent Palmer, uh, oh, being yeah. as good as he is at at things, but. Uh, it's a pain in the butt. So literally having to do that in just a couple days, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So it happened maybe five, six in the evening and the record got called. The first thing I did, I called my parents and I called insurance and my, my dad grabbed the other truck and basically just headed for Chicago so we could swap out trucks. Um, then I called my third call was to Steve Mentz, my rep up here. 
and he was on the horn. And by the time I got everything figured out at the crash site, he basically told me, I guess there's a Phoenix dealership. It's about 50 miles south of Chicago. He's like, get the boat there. This was on a Saturday. So he's like, two of his rigger guys are going to come in tomorrow on a Sunday on their day off. <clears throat> so we can strip that boat and Andy, our service tech for the yeah. elite series, hooked up a boat at the factory and was towing it straight to me that morning or Sunday morning. So Andy got there about 4 p.m. And we already had everything pulled off the boat. And basically, we mounted all the brackets and ran all the electronics. Fortunately, we had Trent Sonar Pro's harnesses. So it was basically just yank it out, shove it right. back in. And that made things a lot easier. So we managed to get the new boat rigged on Sunday. And I got on the road Sunday night and got into Detroit about 2.33 in the morning on monday morning but <clears throat> it wasn't without its issues because they needed to get some in this industrial record to tow the boat because the motor wasn't on it anymore it was laying sideways on the freeway um and i told them where i needed to go and they got it all loaded said it was going to be fine and then their dispatch after the boats on the trailer told them that they couldn't bring it there like because apparently they have to be within a certain number of miles in case there's another wreck just to clear the highway. I'm like, well, I need it there. He's like, well, I can bring it to my, I can bring it to our lot. I can get it there first thing Monday morning. I'm like, well, that doesn't work. I don't <laughs> think you understand. Like I have to be there. I have so, I have places to be. Um, We ended up calling another tow truck service. And he's like, there's no way we're, they're going to be able to do it. Well, I said they would. So he just towed my boat to the local mall, which was like two blocks away and dumped it in the parking lot. And in Chicago, look, no, no Chicago, but depending on what area you're in, (laughs) might not be the best thing to happen. right? Yeah. And it's like 11 at night at this point. So not on that, I think. So then the other tow truck driver shows up, gets it on the, on his trailer at like midnight by himself with a little wiggling and whatnot. (laughs) Having that motor only connected by those like cables is such a huge pain in the ass because it wedges into everything. (laughs) So yeah, we got it down to the dealership probably at like two 30 in the morning also and got a hotel and got to work the next morning. It was, it was a lot of stress. Well, I was going to say, when you say the word stress, because I've known you for a long time, fished FLW with you, and you don't seem like a guy, at least on the outside, that gets rattled. You don't you don't strike me as that. In that situation, though, I mean, how can you not? Like, I don't know how you and, and I I joked with you before we we started recording that I truly, knowing my mental bandwidth, I would have been like, and I'm out. And I'm going home and I'm setting this boat on fire right here in the middle of Chicago. And I hate Chicago and buses. And I would have been making rant videos all the way home and just said, I'm done with Bassmaster because here's, here's what I'll say. Like, it's so fortunate for you and and being at the elites is, is, you know, the top level of the sport. And it's so good to have people that back you up, but the same thing, not with a bus, but my little buddy, Sam George was coming home from an open last year 
got hit coming home, totaled his boat, totaled his Phoenix, and he didn't fit it, fish the rest of the opens because it got in this big insurance back and forth. So you're so fortunate to be able to like, Hey, I start practice Monday. I left a couple of days early, had a little fender bender. And now I'm starting to, to, uh, you know, fish out of another boat. Let, let me ask you this though. Where did you end up in that event? I don't remember exactly where you finished, but obviously it was a good finish. Yeah, I finished 52nd. Right, I had right a, out of the cut. I had a solid day one, but honestly, I was so burnt out. I basically missed like most of one day of practice, and I never went into Anchor Bay. But, and I that's where it all went down. And I had a good day. I had over 20 the first day outside of Anchor Bay and just couldn't put it together. I still kicked myself for that, but at least I didn't bomb and was able to fish. And driving home, I was kind of like, well, surprisingly enough, going into the Speen River, the event before that, I was like, I just got to, if I can just get close to 50, 50th, I'll be good. And I ended up top 20 in that event. I'm like, so in my head, I'm just like, I'm just going to mentally flip those two and say that I smart finished 20th yeah. in St. Clair and got a top 50 on Sabine and we're still where we need to be anyways, <laughs> going into Champlain and St. Lawrence. So it wasn't the end of the world but well, yeah to, everything worked out well i think to come out and beat half the field and those guys because especially that week they blasted them uh i think you know to just keep that consistency going because dude you're an animal on champlain everybody knows that you're a northern guy but i, I think sometimes for me because it's the same with like the johnsons anybody that's from up north and, and you guys are from two totally different parts of the world but so much gets put on, well, they're going to be great at the Northern Swing. But, dude, to make the Classic, as much as you've made the Classic, uh, and to be consistent like you were on the FLW Tour, you got to be better than just up north. And you guys are. And I and I hate that so much weight gets put on, well, these guys are smallmouth experts. You are, but also you got several other tournaments that lead you up to that. Like you said, a top 20 at the Sabine, which there's nothing like that where you live. <laughs> that, At all. No, it's it's special let's say that <laughs> so that's a, that's a really good way to put that uh mildly it's special because uh a lot of bass not a lot of big ones but again there's not anywhere i know the area you live in and i think that you could fall off your back deck right now and catch more bass than the sabine has because it's minnesota's like the most underrated underrated bass state in the country in my opinion and obviously look at the anglers it kicks out i mean you guys are stone cold assassins all over the country but uh <laughs> nothing that tough up there though i don't think unless maybe you get out of minnesota and you get over to like lacrosse the Mississippi River got to be stingy over there sometimes, I guess, but still not Sabine bad, I feel like. No, yeah. The, I mean, at least you get to see everything up here. We got such a diverse fishery that nothing should really surprise you if you've been doing this your whole life. But it's still, yeah, like I said, <laughs> Sabine special, it's its its own <laughs> different thing. Like when you're the first day of that tournament, I literally caught a 12 and a half inch or my last cast to fill my limit and was like, never been so jacked for a seven and a half pound limit in my life. But that everything you got to put in perspective though, right? Depending on the fishery. I, you see those kind of comments on, on, you know, the internet where people are like, I don't want to watch guys fish for eight pounds. What's well, like, also like fishing 
for 22 somewhere else. I mean, honestly, uh, you just got to put it in perspective on the, on the playing field. Uh, that being said, you and I were going back and forth a little bit this week. What do you, what are your thoughts on this schedule? Because I, I made a joke about all the Bassmaster Elite guys that, uh, that I keep up with were like, Hey fans, what do you think about the schedule? <laughs> and fans are just inevitable every year, dude, for the last hour. I always do a show about the schedule commenters because it's always the same thing. You're going to have mm-hmm. people that go to the West coast. You're going to have the, the people that say it's only about the money. And then you're going to have the people that are like, they only go to the same lakes, which I can't disagree with the same lake thing, but I do think your schedule is really cool next year. Other than the two Northern tournaments are kind of the same time of year. They normally are right. Mm-hmm. Most part, same venues, no surprises there, but, starting early like they're kind of avoiding the spawn a little bit i feel like like what are what are your thoughts on it since you're actually someone that has to compete <laughs> yeah i i see what they were trying to do it uh, like there's only so many lakes i guess that they could really choose from and the fact that they kind of flipped florida and texas to start in texas two in a row and then we got the classic and then two in florida later you've heard people bitch about we come to florida too early for decades like february is not the time come here in april come here in may and we saw what okeechobee did later in the year this last year just destroying fish so i see what they're trying to do to try to keep it fresh even though i understand why everybody thinks that we go to a lot of the same lakes we do but there's a few lakes i've never been on wheeler um yeah that's a new that's a new one for the elites for the last few years anyways they haven't been since uh takahira one i think yeah and uh i don't have the schedule in front of me so i'm trying to well, think of smith, it. smith you guys have <laughs> smith which is going to be a summer summer. yeah it's uh is- the week before the fourth of july and that place is uh it gets rowdy like yeah. traffic wise so that one's going to be very interesting to see uh, what it takes to win weight wise. Like I was talking with Jesse Wiggins a little bit. We were texting. I'm like, dude, what, what can we even expect? He goes, I don't fish during the day. That's time of year. I don't know. <laughs> and he knows that place better than anybody. He's like, dude, really? I don't know. He's like, this is what it takes in night tournaments. But he's like, that's not during the day dealing with wakeboard boats and, you know, with a hundred of the best guys out there trying to figure it out. So it's going to be wild. They'll yeah, be forward-facing sonar bitching after that one, I feel like. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the other thing you heard immediately. Oh, it's another forward-facing sonar tournament or series, the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, I kind of felt like, first of all, I don't think that had any effect on it, but I feel like there's a decent number of shallow events. I feel like yeah. Wheeler will be shallow. I feel like the Texas events should hopefully open up everything. The one gripe I have about going to Lake Fork that I've had for a few years is the lake's just so small yeah. that if you don't go there at the right time, most of the lake is like not fish or not worth fishing. Sure. So it piles everybody up on top of each other, but hopefully going there that early, there'll be fish spread out everywhere and we can all like have a good event. It won't come down to boat draw sort of deal, but yeah. Those offshore deals and like chat spawn deals you're talking about, everybody kind of bunches up on the same six or eight points or whatever. Yeah, the one time, like, the one time I really did well was when it was a spawn event and literally you could go in any pocket out anywhere and catch fish because okay. they were spread out all over everything. But 
a lot of people don't like spawn events, so let's argue about that too now. That's exactly so I had Justin Atkins in studio last week and we were joking about the the people that bitch about forward facing sonar and, and all the, the crazy internet, you know, back and forth. And I said, These are the same people though that go, I don't wanna see them bed fish. I don't want to watch a guy stare at a bass knot fishing. It's the same ones though that go, I don't want them to go to the Sabine. This is bull crap. This and, and dude, for me, the forward facing thing, when you guys go up north, the smallmouth tournaments now, and I've always loved the smallmouth events just because, and I said this last week, it is relatable for me because I've been there. Like I've seen those bodies of water and it's interesting watching, especially experts like yourself and, and other Northern anglers break them down and go, Oh, okay. That's really cool to see how they attacked this. But with forward face in the last few years, dude, these tournaments have just been stupid. Like weight wise, fish catch wise, the live coverage, they look like puppet masters, just yanking straight the whole time. And I'm like, if you can get on here and say, this is boring, like people trying to, scoop five pound smallmouth all day long like inject that into my veins i'm here for that so it's uh you're never gonna make everybody happy that's for sure no i uh yeah and i think a lot of people don't understand what that show would look like without forward facing up north it would be a lot of the same stuff just a lot lot less fish catching yes yes a lot of fish have gotten so used to it the fish don't sit on anything. That's what I said about Champlain. I top 10 Champlain roughly in the same areas that I've top 10 Champlain several times already. But I have little rock piles and everything out there in 25, 30 plus feet of water that I've always, I just run dots and catch them off the rocks. The fish don't set up on those rocks anymore. Like literally, they just swim around moving. And it's like, the fish have become so much more pelagic that yeah. the only way to catch those fish without forward facing would be to drive around with your 2D just barely on plane till you see a bunch of bait and either throw a jerk bait or something and like yeah. pray you get it over them or like see them on your 2D when you get lucky enough to run directly over them and do, drop down on them. Do you think, do you attribute, because like take a lake like Champlain, you're definitely, your resume can prove and back up that you are dialed on that fishery. And I heard Zona say that on the live that, you know, for years, I just, he, his take was, I just didn't think we didn't have this technology and we were fishing for them wrong, basically. And he's like, and turns out there were thousands of them behind us. You seem to think, I mean, they've changed then. Is that due to fishing pressure forward facing, or is that due to maybe there are more pelagic, bait fish in the fishery than ever before you know what i'm saying like what what do you attribute that to why they don't set up like they used to because i see I, that on the tennessee river as well i do but it was really started before forward facing in my opinion i think it has a lot to do with them just getting used to the added pressure and forward facing like okay. they know that they can't just set up and sit somewhere like being on the move keeps them safer in general um it's definitely made a difference i assume the same thing was happening in years past but you'd have the fish swim around and but you'd have that little group of four or five that would slide up onto your little rock pile and like i'm gonna chill here and as long as nobody had hit it for a while you go over there and pick one off and you'd catch one and it went from a few years ago catch two or three or catch every single one of them even 
to the last last year we were there, you'd slide up there and you'd catch one and you'd watch them leave. And this year yep. they never even got on it. Like I checked all that stuff a few times and you catch fish around it, but nothing was set up on structure the way you'd expect it when you drive over 2D, you'd be like arced up on top of it or anything. Yeah. Interesting. That's uh that's and, and to to be fair, you are a forward facing sonar fan, correct? That's the best way to put it. I mean, you you enjoy utilizing it. Yeah. I think it's we're the we're the best in the sport. We should have everything, every tool available for us. I don't understand. There I don't see any good argument for limiting it anyways. Like I, I can understand some arguments for banning it if you're going to like just statewide or something like that. But I don't see any good arguments about it besides the whole intrinsic value of bass fishing that you're ruining. But like, I'm here to catch fish. I'm not, this isn't a reality TV show in a sense. This is a competition and I'm, trying to use everything i can and i think it's fun and i think i learned a ton from it for sure that but but see i think that goes back to your champlain rock pile thing and and obviously you would know way more than me that that they set up different but it comes down to because i think about this at home now where i see fish and i'm like whoa why are they why are they out there and it's like what came first the chicken or the egg you know what i mean that argument were they always there because i don't know because i never looked out there before now i do but at the same time i i agree with you i'm starting to see there's some a few little deals that they just don't do any, anymore like there's a lake i fish a lot on the tennessee river and used to dude october november you could just go down the bank and throw a buzz bait you could take one rod and you would get six to 10 bites and they'd all be big ones and you'd land some of them, you'd miss some of them, whatever. Dude, they don't even get on the bank anymore in the fall. Like they mm. don't put their head up. You could go throw it for five days straight and never get a blow up. I mean, it's that, it's that crazy, but that started changing to be fair before forward facing, but our lakes have a lot more bait in them now than I ever remember seeing when I was a kid for whatever reason. I don't know if that's milder winters uh, but we have, they're just chock full and even our large mouth and a lot of the fisheries have become more pelagic. They roam out in the, you, you'd be fishing a stretch of docks and they'll come up schooling over 40 feet of water, almost like a blueback lake. If that makes sense. Like they, it's, it's interesting, but I think nature does have a way of changing and we have to adapt at times. And, um, I don't want to try to attack those fish without forward facing though. Like, and I, I'm a fan of it, obviously. Um, but I'm with you. It has to be, if they do something, you can't just limit it. I think you, you've got to just get rid of it all the way around. Justin and I talked last week and I, I do think it's a little crazy that guys run four transducers, but also if you can, then do it. I mean, I, I, you know, Walter's one with one. I've watched him in MPFL over his shoulder all year. He's just got one on there. Um, I know I, buddies with Palmer like you are. I talk about all the crazy different ways people rig their boats. I know Taku's got them shooting every which way. How, what, what's your setup like? Uh, this year I ran one active target for most of the season. And then before the Sabine River, I put on a second one just to have in scout mode. And honestly, I never used it 
really okay. the only time I ever use that scout mode is up here on Malax because it's easy to find boulders and stuff okay. just faster. But like I could have done everything I did with just one transducer. And but even so, like I don't think limiting it is is the right way to go at all. I'm really good buddies with Taku. I've talked to him about it and basically he puts his on his tran- on his transom because he's not very good at reading traditional side scan. Yeah. That's why he puts it so he'll watch his side scan and watch his his panoptics and then he can kind of understand what he's seeing. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't have any why is why should that bother anybody? He's like trying to figure out how to catch and find fish like whether like he, he's not using them actually fishing and then he goes up front and uses i think he had two transducers on his trolling motor and yeah and like that new saltwater one's kind of cool like if we can do it i might have to grab something like that (laughs) so uh, he he was on the show and he said the exact same thing you just did he said he said there's not a lot the way he, he, he described it was there aren't enough bass in japan for him to know what they look like on side scan and so he was at such a severe disadvantage. He doesn't know. And and he said, I can tell you what they look like on live scope. So I mounted them on each side of my jack plate and I compare and contrast like that. And dude, I thought that was genius. Now also you better be running nine batteries and that's, a, that's a lot of draw, but if you're willing to take the risk, um, so be it. But, but he is, uh, I love that point though. And it got me thinking, I'm like, damn, do I need to ride around with, you know, live scope off the side of the boat. That's uh, interesting. But uh, Trent Palmer will be bringing people with nine transducers for us all over with. And, like, you know, everybody tried, like, leaving your trolling motor down and oh, setting yeah. it on the back and then driving. And I'm like, this just doesn't really work for me. <laughs> I feel like I'm wasting my time. Half the time it comes out of the water. It's just, I'm it, done. like, just – let the guys do what they want. Like, why put all these extra regulations? If you limit it, it's it's just, first of all, it's going to piss off electronics companies. And it's not going to solve a single problem people are complaining about, anglers or fans. You're, whether you have one or five, they're still going to have the boring events with the guy looking down at it. And whether you have one or five, the same guys are going to win the same events and the guys that did poorly and the guys that are upset about it are still going to go home with their tail between their legs. And honestly, we didn't even like on the elite series for the most part, we didn't really hear the complaining until the last couple of events. Yeah. I I say it seemed like it was a very time sensitive matter, right? Like it wasn't a thing. And then all of a sudden, Oh my God, it's the biggest issue in the world after St. Lawrence. And was it because we had three smallmouth events or was it because the season came to an end, and a lot of guys realized where they were finishing. Yeah, I think uh, it's nation probably. And so it's just like, like at St. Lawrence, all of a sudden it just like became this crescendo. Like I, I didn't make Sunday, so I was on live and I hung out at the weigh-in all day, and it was just like there was a buzz about all these anglers that are all of a sudden like, oh, we have to do something about this, and I'm like. Dude, this is. 
Well, I think I think I said that to you one day on social. You posted a, a meme that said, come and take it or don't tread on me. Some of those yeah. <laughs> the transducer made me laugh really hard. Uh, but it, it's very much that the the griping and complaining, man, I don't I don't get it because the damn thing was released five years ago. Why are we now are people figuring out more and more and more and more and more about it? Absolutely. But I still don't think there's anything groundbreaking now versus two years ago. Like, I feel like guys are, are we learning new techniques and things and, and are companies designing lures and making things? Yes. But it's not any more groundbreaking to me what's going on now than it was just a couple of years back. So why we're so pissed off now just blows my mind. That's our job on the elite series. I feel like, like you have, if you think about it in like a sense of, like education you have high school guys college guys and when you go to college for something you kind of understand it but by the time you get your doctorate in something you're in the for you're on the front edge of whatever that is you're trying to expand you're trying to learn new things and that kind of thing and as an elite series pro i feel like we all have our doctorate in bass fishing and our job is to expand bass fishing figure out new ways to do things figure out new ways to use current technology, current equipment to just fish better. And it's that sort of uh, education trickles down to the masses. And I feel like, like that's what I watched Bass Live for when I was growing up to learn new things. And I feel like you can still get that. The problem is there's so much, so much live coverage now and everything that, people are getting desensitized to it and it's not as exciting. And like I watched Castledine put on or put out a video here the other day. It basically said back when you could do the TV show, you could create a story. Yes. So and everybody can build up drama and yeah. So even in these boring events, they, you could still build drama and get yes. people excited about it and whatnot. Well, when you have, three different events putting out eight hours of live shows so you get live 20 days a month it's just like people are no i get it i I get well i think that uh and back in the day as well you did not have the constant need for either content or you didn't have the constant flow of information to be fair that we do now and so with Bass Track and all this stuff, it made the show more endearing when it finally came out because it was your only way of really going, oh, how did Austin catch him? What, what was he using to catch him? I've got to tune into this hour. Well, now i got photo gal- bait galleries. I've got Instagram stories. You've got your own social media you'll update. You've got all these things, their live coverage. By the time it actually gets to the final day weigh-in, I feel like, well, I know everything that happened. Right. And used to, it wasn't that way. And I do think people do desensitize is such a fantastic way to put that because live was this groundbreaking thing a few years ago and they only did it for a few hours and they shut it down. And then it became this, well, we got to go six or seven hours. Right. And now it's all day long. And you're talking to a guy that does it for MPFL. It's a long day. And I can tell you from a guy that sits in the studio and I watch all the cameras regardless of just the one we're commentating that's on the program feed, I see all of it. Dude, watching fishing for six hours, as obsessed with it as I have been since I I was 10 years old, 
is boring. I don't care if you're looking at forward-facing sonar, you're flipping bushes, fishing other than these 30-second to two-minute windows of, holy crap, what just happened? It's also the same when you're out on the water. It's boring a lot of the time other than these fleeting moments of, oh, we're kind of dialed and we got this excited. So it's always been boring to watch, especially if you got to watch it for hours and hours and hours on end. And and uh, I love that. I do love the point of the having the, the concise show and it did build the drama, but I think those days are over. They are. They've got to figure out a way. And I can tell you just with MPFL this week, we had a meeting all hands on deck because we got two events left. Uh, we're going to Ufala, Oklahoma, and then down to old TP himself's backyard down there to the Trent Palmer Charity Open down there, MPFL on Lake Lanier in October. Uh, but we're trying to figure it out, like how to make it better for the viewer because we've got two fall events, and I, if you threw a dart at it, I'd say they're going to be one with forward-facing sonar. Now, Ufala, Oklahoma, maybe not, but Lanier, if it's not, well – Somebody can slap me. I feel like that one's going to be one with Ford Face and Sonar uh, with guys like Trent and Corbishley and and Walters in it uh, cruising around down there with history on those lakes and some other young guys. Um, so we're, we're talking about it. But, dude, there's just no rock-solid way to cover it better. Yeah, there's- I don't know. It's one of those deals like if you're watching to learn – You've never been in a better opportunity than right now. I agree. And if you're watching it strictly for entertainment value, you might not enjoy it. Tune in for a couple hours. Tune out. And I understand, like, people say, oh, the numbers are down. I don't know if the numbers are down or not. Like, I haven't seen any of that stuff. I don't think 99.9% of the people that talk about it have said anything about it. I feel like most of those people are going to tune in next year, no matter what happens. Like if you're complaining about it, you're still watching it. It's a million percent. It's the world we live in. Right. I think that, and I've said this week in and week out here, the minority is always the loudest typically on social media. Most people that are tuning in to watch you on Bassmaster live probably don't even have a Facebook account or care to go comment. Right. I mean, I've got, Thousands and thousands and thousands of what I consider, uh, and they call themselves the low lifers on this show. And I'll get, I'll get it right. Like I see the numbers, like I know what the views are. I know what the downloads are. And then there's a hundred comments on an episode, right? Like, and, and half of those, some weeks, depending on what I'm talking about, will be screw you, you piece of crap. And dude, I mean, it's, those are the loudest at times. Right. And I feel like you've got all these people that are very loyal to something, but they just don't, they're like, I'm too busy. I'm not going to take the time to get in here and get the fingers going. And I'm the same way, dude. I've never commented on a YouTube video other than to like absolutely give Todd Castledine an enormous pile of crap because I just, because <laughs> he's one of my, my, my guys in life. We talk a lot, but I love to just like get in his live feed when he does one of those and just troll him and trash him because his fans that don't know anything about me get so upset. It makes me happy. Like it makes right. me like leave Todd alone. And I'm like, no, he's fat and stupid. <laughs> and, and based on your fan base, like I know a bunch of guys are putting out polls and stuff, and the results are so skewed based on fans. like, yeah. like <laughs> Swindle put his out and said 75, 80 percent of people don't like watching it. At the same time, Zaldane puts one out and says it's two to one to three to one in favor of keeping it. Yeah, and That's it's right. like, like. 
your standard deviation is a little far off at that point if you're that that's it man and i think you uh i said it last week and i don't mean any disrespect to anybody when i say this but you lead a horse to water they'll drink at times too right so if you're impact if you have a fan base that loves you and you're throwing a statement out there they're going to tend to want you to go oh he thinks like i do you know what i mean they're going to back you up and and no because i've seen it on here like i've said things that people probably don't believe but they're like Luke said it, so I'm, you know, I'm all, you know what I'm saying? Like they're in their day to day, they might not think that, but they, they want you to think, Hey man, I'm on your side about this kind of deal. And I think that's, and dude, that again, goes way beyond fishing. You can see that whatever you bleed purple for your damn Vikings. You believe Kirk cousins should run for president. Probably. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like Vikings fans. Considering the options. Million percent. (laughs) (laughs) Kirk Cousins for press. You just heard it here. <laughs> he would wear the chain to the Oval Office. How about that? What's his line? Uh, says I can't remember what he was saying. Oh, you yeah, like that? I, you like that? He tried to get fired yeah. up. Yeah, He's such a dork, and I love it, man. He's dancing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, God, they just have a field day. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got me. I mean, the one other thing I'm worried about is like on the tournament side of it like because we had bass called all of our every single one of us to see what we wanted to do after the right after st lawrence like we got home and two days later they wanted to know what we thought if we should keep it the same limit it or ban it and this is the part that i don't like about anglers making a lot of decision because I feel like a lot of times we're really emotional and short-sighted about what we do. Like the most recent rule change expanding our field to a hundred boats was a angler decision. And I won't, I voted against it just because honestly, I didn't see how it would help us as a group. Like I understood a few guys are going to, get kicked out because of it but there aren't many anglers at this point two years after that that say that that was a good idea just because there was a there was a pie of money that bass was giving us and that pie doesn't expand with the extra anglers it just gets split up more so and we went from basically almost everybody at least getting a little check to now we're not even technically paying 50% of the field. We pay to 50 places, but when we expand to 100, it was 100 plus exemptions and everything. So we're at 104 and still only paying 50 spots. We're not even to that 50% threshold anymore. And it's just like, guys, we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. Those are the issues you want to see anglers get more passionate about than forward facing sonar, though, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, let's get the payouts where they should be. Let's let's get this sport headed in the right direction uh, again. And it's not to say we aren't passionate about that, but it's there's only so no. much you can do. And, like, it's back in FLW days, it was kind of that thing. We'd argue every spring of how we were going to move the money around. It's the same size pot, but how are we going to pay it out? And what oh, are we going to yeah. do with it? Like, I remember that nonsense, too. And it's a lot of the same. Yeah. 
Brad Knight and I were talking about that this week. We were on that panel, you know, <laughs> those panel meetings, and you would just sit in there and and just go round robin, man. Just mm-hmm. all the oh my gosh. Uh, if I would have had a, a, a GoPro back then to film some of those meetings, that would be some of the greatest YouTube videos ever. Just certain pros screaming out, we need to be paid a million dollars and not pay any entry fees or I'm never fishing again. And then they're like, well, we're going up on entry fees. Okay. I'll be back. But instead we're trying to alienate all three electronics companies and the same time. Yeah. At the same time, (laughs) like they put a bunch of money towards that pie that we're splitting up. Right. We're going to have to find elsewhere. It's like, that's one of the deals. Like, do you want to fish without forward facing sonar? If we're paying 6,500 per tournament to try to win 10 grand. Yeah. Like there's already like maybe 2,500, three grand you're taking off the top if you make a 10 grand check. So if you cut that in half, like guys are going to be really scraping by. No doubt, dude. And I, I, that's a, that's a great point because I always, I do gripe about, the industry as a whole is is very it's it's a it's doing well it's done well the last few years especially, but the endemic sponsors that pie is it's split up right we know that multiple tournament trails multiple anglers all these different things but the electronics companies I will say they support the the professional fishing game they do because they know you guys are on the front lines that like you said you're educators you're teaching the rest of us what you should be doing to catch bass that's that you guys are the go-tos you're the authority for the most part and they do support it and so you got to be careful what you wish for and i've said that like garmin's not an official sponsor of bass but they but they do support it financially yeah hummingbirds spending money lorance they're all spending money with every company and so be careful it is a it is, it's a slippery slope and i think and i mean so banning anything too man like i just that's weird for me. I thought that with a rig. I'm like, why are we getting rid of a damn? I, I get it to a certain extent, but once it's effectiveness, it wore off, dude. It was dominant for a little bit. And I, I just, I'd like to help throw it back in there. Let's go bring the a rig back. Limit it. Let's it's just a tool. The only argument I saw about the a rig was the fact that regulations were so much different in every state they, that it could have yeah. made things confusing. And like, obviously forward facing doesn't have any regulation right now. So there's no, like nothing to do with that. But yeah, like I, at this point, I don't have, I wouldn't have any issue with bringing back a rigs, except I think they're a pain in the ass to deal with, like putting your rod locker or anything or just carry equipment. Yeah. It sucks. (laughs) It's just uh, a hassle, but I mean, here in the fall, I'll go up to Mille Lacs and on Minnetonka, we can only throw one hook but I'll really? still throw an A-rig with one hook and just like three three or four dummies and a bunch of spinners and stuff. And if you set it up right, they'll still eat the one hook 95% of the time. Really? So. That's interesting. You heard it here, folks. One hook, <laughs> rigs. Well, yeah. dude, bass went to something like that. Just bring it back. I don't know. I just think it's a it's a tool in the in the box. It's like um, what was the the old front runner, like the schooling mm-hmm. fit? You can't use that anymore, right? Isn't that no. that's illegal? Can't use that. Can't we can't double fluke rig? That's silly. That's silly. But yeah, that's silly. I'm gonna get on my now. I'm gonna get on my platform. I'm gonna start commenting on bass and stuff. Bring back the donkey rig. <laughs> <laughs> the donkey rig. 
Uh, dude, I got to ask you this, and then we'll wrap it up. Why pajama pants? When did that ever become? Because I can remember you walking into FLW meetings with your pajama pants on on the off days. I'm like, well, he's comfortable. But then you just you wore them fish. When did that become? You're like, you know, I'm just going to do this. I don't know. It was kind of just like a fluid transition. Like, I feel like I've told this story a few times, but yeah. it was just like I'd wear shorts and then I'd wear pajama pants over them. And then I wear my bibs. And just because it was easy to like shed layers and it's yeah. cold in the morning. And there were a few days in tournaments where it's like it got warm enough to take the bibs off, but not warm enough to wear shorts. And then inevitably you'd end up rolling across the stage in pajama pants. And after it happened a few times, it just sort of became a thing. I honestly, with FLW, I never really thought it was that big of a thing until my rookie year when Mercer made up the nickname. And I'm like, why do you know this? (laughs) He did research. He's yeah, in those photo galleries selling those plaid pajama pants and those FLW top tens. Yeah, so like that's kind of, and then it became a thing. Ronnie Moore, when I moved over, was like, "Dude, you can't wear pajama pants on the Elite Series. There's a dress code." And I'm like, "We'll, we'll see about this." And I ended up finding two pairs of like identical, like high end golf pants that are like the loud John Daly golf pants that are like blue plaid. So like from a distance going across a classic stage, nobody knows the difference. And I've actually got blowback from that before because I've heard of a few sponsors that are like, ah, he'd have a lot more success if I, if he didn't have wear those pants. And I'm just like, well, if that's how you feel, you can kiss my ass. Yeah. Dude, we need individuals in this world, right? Like that's what makes the world go around. I love that. Yeah, you got to do something to separate yourself. And if it's something as trivial as wearing loud pants, then I guess that's an easy way to do it, right? Because I'm get, not really that loud on my own. No, you you are a very calm, cool, collective cat. There's no doubt about it. And I, I think that uh, I get really in the professional, like my TH side work life. I think it's really dumb that people tuck their shirts in. Like I get offended by I'm telling on myself, there'll be the comments will be on fire, but I hate tacky <laughs> pants and I hate tucking shirts in. And whoever decided it's like the people that decided that certain words were cuss words that you can't say, like it blows my mind that there was a guy that was like, you know what? Hey, wrap that piece of leather around your waist and shove that shirt down in there. Now pull it out like a parachute. Now you're professional. <laughs> inevitably like half the guy's sponsors are tucked down in his butt crack i don't get it i don't get it we had a guy that will remain nameless we'll end with this today austin felix we had a guy on mpfl our first ever events me and dudley in studio and uh and you follow and he tucked his jersey he had apparently had a little bathroom break while we were away from him we go back to him tucked his jersey down into the back of his boxers and his boxers rang up above his pants and they go to him and I, I'm just me. I was like, can somebody help a brother out? Can somebody, I'm like yelling at the camera guys at the director. I'm like, can somebody tell, can we get away from this? So bad. But it happened, man. And, uh, and, and so we cut away and he sorted it out, but that did indeed happen. Austin Felix, I'm appreciative of your, uh, pajama pant wearing self, buddy. You're always honest. And, uh, one hell of a fisherman that, uh, quietly has won by the way 
I feel I love delivering this news to people because you don't strike me as a guy that keeps up with this, but I do this on the show a lot. Over seven hundred and sixty thousand dollars in uh, combined career earnings between FLW and Bassman, you're getting close to that million dollar mark, buddy. Not too far away. That's uh, nothing hopefully. to see that. A couple of years, hopefully, maybe yeah. one or two. Yeah. I'm Joey Safuentes. I can do it next year. Hey, listen, nobody, nobody's living life better than Cowboy Joe. Right now. He did <laughs> one for America with Larry Nixon. I mean, yeah. he's he's living it up. But it can be done. Win, go win three next year. I'm here for it. Yeah, all right. Austin Felix, I appreciate you. Everybody go follow Austin Felix fishing all over the place. I appreciate you, dude. Go Vikings. All right. We'll stay in touch. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk all right, that's all she wrote with Austin Felix up there in Vikings country. Hope you all enjoyed that. The sauce presented by the W sauce right there, America's Worcestershire sauce. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. He's an interesting dude. He's very dialed in what he does, and he's opinionated, and I like that. I like that. He's not uh, he's not scared to, to give his thoughts on things. And uh, been wanting to have him on for a while, and I'm glad it worked out to have him on thank y'all for tuning in each and every week to low budget live i surely appreciate each and every low lifer out there more than you realize um it just it's amazing that i get to do this can't thank you enough i'm gonna take you out with some biloxi blues hope you all have a fantastic week and i'll see y'all next time sweet Never could make it last Spanish moss and Civil War ghosts Well, I'm gonna leave them in the past Any direction, Lord, I'll be fine It don't matter, east or west North, south, wherever the wind blows I'm leaving those burdens at rest This highway It does not know my name And I don't care, no Just a white line gypsy getting out of Mississippi with just enough gas to